Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. everyone thanks for tuning into the alarmist a comedy podcast where we discuss history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame today we're going to be talking about the black Sox scandal of 1919 here's what you need to know in the early fall of 1919 the chicago white Sox headed to the world series to play against the cincinnati reds Based on their record that year, the White Sox were undeniably the better team and the predicted winners. But before the series began, two different groups of gamblers struck a deal with the White Sox first baseman, Arnold Chick Gandel, and seven other teammates to throw the series in exchange for $100,000 total. What do you say about throwing a series, Grandel? We'll make it real once in a while. Starting pitchers Eddie Seacott and Claude Lefty Williams, infielders Charles Sweet Risberg and Fred McMullen, third baseman Buck Weaver, and outfielders Oscar Happy Felsch and Joe Jackson, also known as Shoeless Joe Jackson, were all implicated in the fix. 
The scandal, which has come to be known as the Black Sox scandal, was uncovered almost a year later. John Thorne, the historian for MLB, writes, quote, The scandal was a cataclysmic event in the game's history, not because it was the first time anyone had cheated, but because it was the first time the public knew about it. But as deep-rooted, as is the game of baseball in our American way of life, there was a time when the idol was discovered to have feet of clay. In 1919, the World Series between the Chicago White Sox and the Cincinnati Redlegs astounded the sports world when a seemingly unbeatable Chicago team went down to ignominious defeat before the less highly regarded Redlegs. The conspiracy is thought to have materialized a few weeks before the World Series. Gamblers had long been bribing disgruntled baseball players in exchange for insider tips. But attempting to rig an entire World Series was unprecedented. On October 1st, 1919, during Game 1 of the World Series, Seacott, who was the only known player to be paid his $10,000 in advance, took the mound and hit the leadoff hitter, Maury Rath, in the back with his second pitch. Seacott, what are you doing? You're throwing the game! How much are they paying you, bum? This was said to be a prearranged signal that the fix was on. To the public's dismay, the White Sox lost Game 1, 9-1. They went on to lose Game 2 as well, but won Game 3, possibly because rookie pitcher Dickie Kerr was set to start and possibly because some of the players in on the fix had still not gotten paid and wanted to send a message to the bribesters. The series stood at 4-1 in favor of the Reds. Now, if you're doing the math, yes, back then it was a nine-game series. But the Sox players were getting agitated. They had purportedly arranged to receive their bribes in five $20,000 installments, one after each loss. But the gamblers had failed to deliver the full amount. They proceeded to call off the fix by playing the win for the rest of the series. They won games six and seven, but after possibly receiving threats from the gangsters against their families, the Sox lost game eight and the Cincinnati Reds got their first World Series win. What a roller coaster ride! On August 31st, 1920, just short of a year later, after evidence surfaced that gamblers had rigged a regular season game between the Cubs and Phillies, speculations turned to the 1919 World Series. The Black Sox scandal of 1919 is said to have marked baseball's loss of innocence. And when, after the famed White Sox fielder, shoeless Joe Jackson, confessed his guilt, it said that one weeping fan of his cried out, Say it isn't so. Yeah, we were crooked. We were crooked. Say it ain't so, Joe. Say it ain't so. Fun facts, a.k.a. death stats. In October 1920, Gandal, Seacott, Williams, Risberg, Felsch, McMullen, Weaver, and Jackson were indicted on nine counts of conspiracy. On August 2nd, 1921, the Black Sox were found not guilty on all counts. One day after that, the newly appointed first baseball commissioner permanently banned the Black Sox from baseball forever. Utility infielder Fred McMullen was not initially part of the scheme, but he was cut in after he overheard the players talking about the deal. Third baseman Buck Weaver was in on the early stages of the plot before pulling out. Although he never got any of the payout or partook in the actual fix, he was still implicated for not having raised the alarm. 
Well, everyone, we have a lot to talk about. Now with us today, we have a very special guest, our friend and MLB fan, Michael Angarano. Hello. Hi. Hi, Michael. Hey, Thank you. Hey, hey nice. what do you say, Mikey? Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. Also here, our producer, Amanda. Hi, everyone. I know nothing about sports, so I'm excited. She's perfect. <laughs> and fact checker, Chris Smith. Swing, bada swing. Come on. <laughs> so, Michael, you are a, uh, a Mets fan. I'm a Mets fan, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> the Metropolitans have not really been involved in any scandals that we know about. They're, they're a newer team. They haven't really been involved in scandals directly. Unfortunately, they just had to fire their coach. Well, their coach, who was their coach for three months, Carlos Beltran. They mm. had to fire him because he was on the Astros. Oh. Who Carlos Beltran was, was mentioned in the report as a player, not as a coach of the Houston Astros, but as a player who suggested they use better tactics to steal the signs of the opposing teams. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, that's a direct reflection on you now. Right. Listen, sign stealing has been a part of baseball for a mm. long time, and and you know, uh, similar to the uh, the Black Sox, you know, uh, a line had not been drawn as to what exactly is inappropriate, as you know, what's illegal, but. I mean, look, there's an old saying that goes, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's, uh, hey, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Who said that? Yeah, I've never heard that. Who was that? I could look it up. I am the fact checker. (laughs) I don't know who exactly said it, but I... But here's the thing about baseball. Everyone cheats. I mean, it's pretty roundly kind of believed that. And since this has all happened, a lot of baseball players are rolling their eyes like, oh, okay, we're going to isolate just the Houston Astros because they got caught. But a lot of people cheat. Anyway, I'm a Mets fan, too. And in terms of the reflection on the Mets... For me, I was kind of excited that Beltran was associated with the cheating because I was hoping that he would win more would, games if, if, and bring if, that kind of culture to the Mets so they would win yes. more games. However, right. the Mets didn't want the splashy headlines, so they ended up just getting rid of him. It's so. good form on the Mets organization yeah. right, to fire Beltran before he even managed a game. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is shocking to me, the fact that, that we apparently people just know that baseball includes cheating, and this is just a well-known flag, fact. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's just a little bit of not not the culture of the game, but you know, baseball is is a real thinking game. There's a lot of you know, there's a lot of downtime in between plays, so mm. there's a lot of tax tactics used to gain the edge. Yeah, um, and yeah, it's like it's been a thing. Like people who could steal signs are you know, it's a valuable it's a valuable you know tool to have. Well, you know what they say. Boredom is uh, one of the worst enemies because it really. <laughs> and who who, who said, said that? that? Yeah. Um, I believe that <laughs> was uh, Socrates. That was Socrates. What about idle hands? Do the devil's work. Mm. Right. That was Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did find, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I couldn't find who it was originally attributed to, but Joe Montana said it about the Patriots scandal oh, regarding sure. the deflating sure. of the footballs. Right. It's not just baseball. The New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, right. has been accused of cheating. Now, let's start um, talking about this particular disaster. And, and, and let's start getting people up on the board. 
obvious one. Mm. We have to put the players up on the board. Yeah, yeah, you would mention the players. You know, now, of course, there's this myth perpetuated probably by like movies, Eight Men Out, Mm. that it, it was the players who didn't have money. It's an issue about like the owners not paying the players a living wage. Right. A lot of stuff has come up out like in the past years that kind of debunks these myths. If you've seen the movie Eight Men Out, you probably remember the scene where like Seacott confronts White Sox owner Kaminsky, and he asks about this $10,000 bonus that he's promised to give him after winning 30 games. And Kaminsky then reminds him that he's only won 29, but then Seacott says that's because he was benched. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after in the movie, Seacott accepts the bribe. Right. This is kind of the impetus. But that narrative might not have been what was actually happening. So per the Society of American Baseball Research, quote, the players themselves rarely claimed that it was because of Comiskey's low salary or poor treatment. And we now have accurate salary information to back that up. Newly available organizational contract cards uh, at the National Baseball Hall of Fame show that the White Sox opening day payroll of $88,461 was more than $11,500 higher than that of the National League champions, the Reds. So their their budget for all of the players was much higher. Mm-hmm. Um, if they did feel resentment at their salaries under the reserve clause system, it was because of the reserve clause system. So, uh, so all of the players from 15 other major leagues uh, teams probably felt the same. The scandal was much more complex than the disgruntled players trying to get back at the big bad boss. And then we have John Thorne, who says that well after the incident, various writers, they made the Black Sox out to be a class warfare victims and rebels. But Mm. this was not probably the case at the time. And there's also the myth that the gamblers initiated the fix. In fact, the idea was born among the players who commonly bet on games involving other clubs. Gandal and Seacott approached the gamblers in hopes of arranging a low-risk, high-reward deal like the one rumored to have been struck by the Crosstown Cubs that year before. That was during the World Series to the Boston Red Sox. Why don't we go through what okay. each player did and, and their involvement? Right. So we've got, we've got uh, Chick Gandal. Mm-hmm. Sort now, of the ri- a little bit ringleader. perceived as the ringleader, the first baseman, like the tough guy of the team. He was also a really great player. And he's the one who essentially recruits the other players because he's a bit rough around the edges. And he, and I believe he came from, you know, he was a, a, whatever. He had connections to the gambling world. Sure. Rebecca's choosing her words carefully here. A little nervous about old Grandel coming back. (laughs) Offending. If anything, I don't need a ghost like Gandel's haunting. Yeah. Gandel. No, I I prefer a Seacott ghost. He's more like, you know, he's got a conscience. He's a family man. He's a family man, yeah. Family man, yeah. So then we've got Seacott, obviously, who he was one of the best pitchers on the team. He was a starting pitcher. He was in his later in his career. Yeah, he must have been feeling a little pressure that, you know, he needed to find other means to support his family. 
Uh, he's nearing the end. His body can't handle the grind anymore. I mean, this is the day and age where pitchers were pitching so many games. They would pitch three or four games in a week and pitch, you know, complete games. Think about your arm. I can barely do push-ups two days in a row. Right. And that's like right. five push-ups I managed to do. So I can't imagine throwing a ball. <laughs> <laughs> now, Seacott is heavily involved in the early stages of the fix, but he later pitches very well, suspecting that the players were being double-crossed. Mm. This is kind of his journey mm. and the fix was probably would probably not have been possible without him gotta get a pitcher on board because the pitcher is the one who's touching the ball the most controlling the game yeah you know and they were smart because they got two pitchers right so also a part of the fix is uh lefty williams He's the second best pitcher on the Sox. According to History.com, they say that the faulty play continued in Game 2 when Sox pitcher Lefty Williams gifted the Reds a 4-2 win after walking three batters in a row. He played in Game 2, and he is credited with giving them the second win. And now, uh, uh, correct me if I'm mistaken, but is Lefty the one who's also credited as losing three games in the World Series? One of the, maybe one of two pitchers to have at lost three games in the World Series. You might be right, because I think Seacott played the first and Seacott played the last. That's correct. Um... Thanks, Chris. Did you write that in your notes? <laughs> no, no, that's I, uh, off the cuff. I must be in uh, <laughs> a Monday or Tuesday on the r- ride to work. <laughs> I, I just Little want crumb of, uh, <laughs> to point out that Michael brought a a mini legal pad. It's one of the small legal pads, and he has one page. One the page top of page, notes. It's a brand new legal pad, which yep. I I respect. Um, Although just he, just so you know, he did he does share the record. Yes, well, it's one of two pictures. George right? Frazier, exactly. Uh-huh. Okay, George Frazier in nineteen eighty. Now let's talk about Charles Swede Risberg. He's the shortstop. He's a young guy. He's 25 years old. And he was Gandalf's, quote, assistant and the muscle of the playing group. He went oh. two for 25 at the plate and committed four errors in the series. That was a bad series. Bum. Bad that's series. A, that's a bum. <laughs> two for 25. I have Rough. no idea what that means, but that's low. A well, two next to a 25 it, it, is not it, good. It is interesting because nowadays, like, so many people take credit for, you know, winning a championship these guys just there must have been a little bit of a lack of moral compass or a drive to like you know a matter of pride of winning this thing it must have been money must have been a much bigger deal to them because they made i mean relatively less of it i guess it's true and i I was looking up um the value of the average baseball player. So just rough order of magnitude, like um, Seacott made 6K and he was like highly paid. So he made $6,000 for the year and he was a very good pitcher and highly paid. $6,000 in 1919 equals, according to dollartimes.com. Also incredibly reliable. It only equals $93,000 in today's money. Yeah, that's... So not only like... They're not getting paid a lot, I don't think, for the... Like, in comparison to what baseball players get paid today, which is astronomical. Garrett Cole has a a $400 million contract Uh over Uh 10 years or something. So Uh it's just night and day. And so when you do that, all of a sudden, you invite the players to think about other ways of making money, really. Yeah. I also have one more interesting fact that I have... Tell me. In my, on my, that is on my page of notes, <laughs> that it is 1919. Oh, great Post-World War I. 
where the the games have gone there it was 154 games the 1919 the 1918 season was cut short right because of the war because of world war 1 so 1919 they weren't really sure owners weren't sure if the public would be interested and so they cut the amount of games from 154 games to 140 which coincidentally equaled a full paycheck to the players. I think that's a big player in this tragedy. And we'll get back right back to that. But I just want to talk about the the rest of the players. Um, we've got McMullen. He's added to the scheme after he overhears that there's there's something going on. He doesn't want to be left out of the cut. He's sort of like the utility infielder who do, who doesn't really play in the World Series, right? Yeah, he's yeah. he's just a buddy. I think he's a buddy of Gandalf. just a hangers on. He, he was in the right place at the right time, or the wrong place at the wrong. Yeah. No, he was in the right place at the right time because he is an ineffectual player. They don't need him in order to fix the World Series, right? Because he doesn't play enough. He can't affect the game that much. However, he overhears the conversation and basically blackmails them yeah. and says, look, I heard, I know what you're doing. You got to cut me in or I'll tell everybody. To me, he's a fascinating uh, person. Yeah. And then we've got Happy Felsch. He's a center fielder. Mm. At, uh, at first, he doesn't want to be included, but then he realizes it's it's going to happen anyway. Mm. And so he goes in. Right. Um. So he's like, I might as well get a cut. And right. not. But Get in, mine. I think in the end, he really ended up regretting it because it was just, you know, he's been quoted as saying that I just got $5,000. It, it, it was pennies. pennies. And even then, when it was still a lot of money, it was still, it was his career. Yeah. Well, that he, he, he also lost. he also said it was about as much as he would have gotten if they won the World Series. Right. <laughs> now, Buck Weaver, he's the third baseman, uh, another really interesting character. He listened to the proposal, but he didn't agree. He went to the meeting, but... Then he left it, mm. and he didn't accept any money. He didn't do anything to change the outcome of the World Series. He just got, um, uh, uh, he got, uh, what do you call? Um, just say, I, I know it in Spanish, but well, I don't say know it in it Spanish. Is. Say it in Spanish. Involucrado. Involucrado. Like, Involucrado. He got in, ensnared, in, embedded, in, embroiled, embroiled. embroiled. <laughs> <laughs> he got. Embroiled because um, he didn't tell anyone. Yes, exactly. He didn't tell any. He, he didn't, didn't intervene, nor did he tell anybody. Mm. And that's problematic. Well, the most famous is Joe Jackson, Shoeless Joe Jackson. He was one of the best players in 1919. He was also illiterate. He was the other more essential player other than Seacott. It's unclear what his level of involvement actually was. Right. Because he did play very well during the World Series. Yeah, he... But he also accepted the money. Right. The first one to come clean was Seacott because he felt guilty mm. about uh, what he had done. And then the next one in was Joe Jackson, where I, I think he was happy to just kind of get it off his chest. Right. And he also didn't know how to read, so he didn't really know what he was signing because they were offering them these immunity deals. We can put... Gandil, I think, separately. Okay. And I think Seacott, I would put separately as well. And then the other ones, yeah. I would just kind of clump together. Yeah, I think that's fair. As okay, the six correct. others. We definitely need to put the gambling culture, baseball's gambling cu culture up on the board. So baseball's gambling culture slash gambling, the gamblers. Or well, the gamblers separate. And, and we can put the gamblers separate because I think there are two main gamblers. There's Joseph Sport Sullivan. Okay. I love these nicknames, by the way. He's a major gambler from Boston, and he's he's rumored to have fixed the 1914 World Series. Ah. Uh. And then, of course, there's Arnold Rothstein. Uh-huh. 
Now, he's this well-known mobster, and he wasn't directly related to the to the uh, fix. Right. But he's the one who funded it. Who supplied the money to the gamblers to pay off the players. He's got a great nickname, The Brain. Oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's not what our we should go around and say what we think Dude, our nicknames. nicknames. I think <laughs> mine's the brain. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. Yeah. I'm kind of over brain. here at the control center, like. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm you're the, the mouth. you're the alarmist. I'm just the mouth. You're the alarmist. <laughs> I'm shoeless, Chris Smith. Oh come on! What are you, Michael? Uh, you know. Um, He's the guest. He's the, 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 the guest. <laughs> guest, the fact Mikey checker. The, Mikey, the, Mikey guest the guest in Garano. Yeah. <laughs> Mikey, the guest in Garano. I don't know. You know, it, I, I gave it to myself, oddly enough. <laughs> so let's talk about Charles Comiskey. Owner of the White Sox. Exactly. He knew that something was up, but he didn't really do anything about it. Again, John Thorne, our good friend, he says, after a puzzling, inept performance by his White Sox in Game 1, the Cubs founder and owner, Charles Kaminsky, heard rumors that the sporting set had been looking for a big score and that maybe some of his players had agreed to throw the series. He considered blackballing the suspected wrongdoers, but he recognized that breaking up his team would be a financial disaster. He elected to fume silently, silently through the 1920 season, uh, th- that's the following season. And even though some of his players continued to fix occasional games, finally, after the so-called Black Sox scandal of 1919 was revealed in late September of 1920, he suspended seven of the players. The eighth was the first baseman and uh, plot ringleader, Chick Gandal, who had already left the team. So uh-huh. Gandal's already out of the team. Uh-huh. Now, apparently, the year before, the way it worked was that players made money based on the seats uh, on attendance uh, on the attendance okay yeah what happens in 1918 is that they they decide they're going to go with a flat fee but it's less money for the players and what what's also involved in this situation is the how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volur xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Alarmist. War. So the war had happened in 1918. And so everyone was very nervous about attendance. Mm. So this is when they they cut the season short. The war ended in 1918. I'm sorry, yes. But but yeah, well, it happened during. And the the owners were all nervous that people weren't going to be as into baseball after the war that they were before Mm. the war. So they were sort of hedging by shortening the season and sort of trying to pay the players less money. I think that like the general state of the country was in turmoil. So there there are a series of events that happened in 1919 and, and I, I'm just going to go through them so yeah. we understand what's happening I think it's very important because I'm a big, you know, uh, it's not so much the, it's not a bad apple, it's a bad barrel, so to you know, like a systemic issue really is what's going on here. What's going on in 1919? What's going on in 1919? Why, Why is this happening? So first, as we know, we've got the Great Molasses Flood in January, and that's happening in Boston. Then... April, we have uh, at least 36 booby-trapped dynamite-filled bombs were mailed across to a cross-section of prominent politicians and appointees, including attorney general, as well as justice officials, newspaper editors, and businessmen. United States States anarchist bombings were carried out by the Italian anarchists, and these bombings led to the Red Scare of 1919 and 1920. It's a massive terrorist attack. Yeah. And I I think it only reached two people that because the packages arrived early Mm -hmm. and the rest were were discovered by, but it had the potential to be a tremendous, tremendous disaster. Then we've got, in June, Congress passes the 19th Amendment granting uh, women the right to vote. It, it's it's on its way. It mm-hmm. doesn't happen until 1920, I believe. Then we have uh, the, the Treaty of Versailles, which is signed, uh-huh. formally ending the war. Uh-huh. Then July 21st, we have the Wingfoot Air Express crash. Now, this happened during a White Sox game, and uh, the blimp crashes into the Illinois Trust and Savings Building in downtown Chicago and catches fire. 
Now, uh, two passengers, one air crew, and 10 people on the ground are killed, and everyone at the stadium sees it happen. Then, July 27, we've got the Chicago race riots. Uh, It's during the summer. Right, sweltering heat. Yeah, and there's the death of Eugene Williams, an African-American youth who inadvertently drifted into a white swimming area at an informally segregated beach. Jesus. And then a white man throws stones at him, and then the teen gets hit in the head, drowns, Race riots. These riots, though, take place in the south side of Chicago, which is where Comiskey uh, Stadium is, which Mm. is where the White Sox play. So all of these events are leading to what the owners feel might be a slight disinterest in baseball at the time. Yes. They're nervous about attendance and ticket sales, and the players knew that the World Series bonuses were going to be cut for the second time. And the owners decided to distribute the profits from the series to all of the teams in the league, not just the ones that played in the series. And then the owners cut their bonuses even further. So the owners organized. Fascinating, now now looking back, is that it was one of the best attended World Series. Crazy, right? As we know now, maybe they didn't know it back then, um, but when times are rough, you know, People, entertainment soars. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to draw, I'm just trying to get a name out of this to put up on the board. So how would you sort of summarize that? Because Society. <laughs> I, I would say the state, I was thinking the state of the country. Yeah. Or the, the state of the country in 1919. Mm. I mean, yeah. to me, the 19, general anxiety. 1919 feels a lot like what we're living through right now. Like 2019. Like 2019 and going into 20. Yeah. I mean, it's like, does this happen every hundred years? Um, just so you know, right now we got Chick Grandel, Chick Gandel, mm. uh, Eddie Seacott as individuals, and then the other players sure. in another category. We got gambling culture in baseball, mm. Sport Sullivan, one of the uh, gamblers. Then we have two, there are two other gamblers we skipped over, I think, before Sleepy Bill Burns and Bill Maharg. So those were so the players were dealing with two different parties okay. in terms of accepting. We haven't money. talked about those, but if you want to talk about them real quick. They were small-time gamblers who approached the players with the idea or who Ooh, was approached by Right, that's a, that's Gandal. an interesting uh, So the small-time gambling small versus time. the big-time gamblers. Well, they and then they tried to to basically seize on this opportunity when Ch- because Chick Gandel who seems to be the motivating sort of force here of like, hey, let's try and throw this thing. We can make a lot of money because we're heavily favorite. So, but these guys didn't really have the financial backing. So they had to kind of, uh, you know, I don't know all the details, but they had to kind of whatever they had to scrap their scramble, way. scrap yeah. their way to get it done. So the scrappy gamblers, which is uh, Marg and Maharg. Went and, to the big uh, game. Okay, went to the bigger and ones. And they went to Rothstein, and then they, they went to their, Rothstein's intermediary, this guy, Abe Attell, former boxer. Mm. And he said, at first, Rothstein says no, but then he said Rothstein's in, and he gave him the money. Right, and Abe so, Attell is an, is an important figure in this disaster because he's the one who tells the grand jury first that uh, he's the one who raises the waves the flag about this um, uh, fix later on, right? Right. Because he felt like he was slighted. Got it. An important fact is that this new information that has come out says that the players approach the gamblers, not the other way around. Right. Right. And that's a big thing on our board here. The players. If the players. A, that's a big if, strike for the players. That's a. That's a. You know, that's a big, that's a biggie. Yeah. Being approached or approaching somebody, you know, it, it's two different things. Right. I have a big, okay, so here's my pitch. I think that 
you know, Chick Gandle seems to be the guy who's cozy with these gamblers. Yeah. But I think Eddie Seacott is more to blame, and I'll tell you why. Okay. He's the pitcher. Mm -hmm. He's the best pitcher in the league. As you guys said, his career is fading. Yes, he had the family, so he's a sympathetic figure. He's looking out for his wife and Uh kids. However, what's about to happen is the dead ball era in baseball Mm -hmm. is about to end. And what Mm -hmm. that is, is in baseball... They at this time period, they were using balls only one or two or sometimes three right. at most balls per game. Now, these balls would get scuffed and they would get uh, lopsided, lopsided and messed up. And the pitchers could use that to their advantage. So it's dirty. They would get dirty and they would get dirty so that it was harder for the batters to see. OK, so here which is have... why there weren't as many home runs. Sorry. Exactly. No. So home, home runs are down. Averages down during this period. I feel like Seacott. Because what was coming was a new era in baseball. They and were gonna, Seacott knew about this? Seacott knew about this. And I think everyone could see the writing on the wall. It was, yeah, there were new balls coming. Down Tighter balls. Tighter balls. And the, <laughs> the players, everyone kind of knew this was coming. And the owners wanted these new uh-huh. fresh balls. And they would use more of them during a game. I'm sorry, but the balls. Fresh balls. <laughs> So yeah. the we owners want... would the owners. Um, so let me just get. Yes. Okay, you want to so blame the, the balls? I, maybe the fresh balls. Wow, good call. <laughs> Which you know, that's a good that. <laughs> but but it yes. was it was basically shifting the power from the pitcher to the hitters. The hitters would have a better advantage going forward. So Seacott, end of his career. The pitcher is no longer going to be in control. He says, "Well, while I'm still in control of this." game while i still have the power let me do a money grab Look, you're vilifying seacott here that's an I'm, interesting i'm throwing him way under the bus way yeah under. i mean uh, uh, strathairn I, in the film is and i love david strathairn he's like one of my favorite <laughs> he is actors so good um so i think that that's good i think that's something to consider so let's put that up on the board can we so, can we do seacott slash clean fresh, balls fresh balls fresh balls i think we can put fresh balls as a separate fresh category. balls yeah, and okay. we're gonna have seacott stay up there and we'll see we'll position. see what happens okay. so will you refresh what's on the board for us yes so we got chick gandal eddie seacott the other players mm. then we have gambling culture in baseball sports sullivan one of the big time gamblers we got arnold rothstein we've got a Battelle, mm-hmm. rothstein's um like second yeah. command mm. go between. Then we got Sleepy Billy Burns and we have Billy Maharg. Those guys are together. They're the all the small time gamblers, scrappers. scrappers. Then we have the state of the country in 1919 and finally Fresh Balls. <laughs> are we are we is Comiskey not in the We should put Comiskey, oh, Comiskey up there. Sorry, I missed and Comiskey. uh we should also put uh, the flu up there. Influenza, uh, big epidemic. Spanish influenza, <laughs> and and this is why I think that it needs to go up there. Okay. The Spanish influenza is the, it, one of the most severe in in that recent history, and six hundred and seventy thousand six hundred seventy five thousand occurring in the United States. So it's like fifty million worldwide. The, these are the number of deaths that it's estimated to have caused. Now. Urban Clarence Red Faber, he's the White Sox starting pitcher. He's the Uh best guy on the team. Right. And he goes to, uh, he's in World War I, 1918. When he comes back, he develops the flu, Mm. possibly related to the Spanish flu pandemic, which prevented him from actually playing in the World Series. Mm -hmm. And that's why Seacott 
Starts. started in game one. So had he not been sick with the flu, this might have had a different outcome. Wait, he was a he was on the uh the He was on the white Sox. Sox. Oh. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Red Faber. He was uh out with the flu for the summer essentially. He did come back and pitch, but he was very tired. He couldn't Incredible. you know. And which is why also in the third game the rookie, Dickie Kerr, Kerr. pitched. Yeah. Oh right, right. Otherwise he would have never gotten the, that kind of airtime. Right. He's okay. a rook. Off the bat, is there anything we feel that we can cross off? Right off the bat. I, I kind of want to take off the others. <laughs> the other players. Michael, right off the <laughs> Either Chick. He, Mikey just loves, uh, what's his name? John Cusack. Wants- uh, you know, I, I'm a big Cusack and Sheen fan. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think they deserve to stay up on the board at least a little. Longer. I agree. I agree. I mean, they, they, they are. They could have said no. They I'm going. I'm, no. I'm going to make one big sweeping suggestion, what? which is that we we cross off all the gamblers. I'm with you on because that. you know what? They're gamblers. Like it's the. Um, what is the it's the scorpion and the frog. The yeah. gamblers are gamblers, okay? Mm-hmm. That is in their nature. Whether or not they get invited into the game, that's where you cross the line and baseball players need to have the integrity to tell them to not. And with the, the new line. with the new updated refresh news that it was the players approaching the gamblers, I think I think that takes out the gamblers. I think that's a great point All and right. I think we should take them off. I don't think we should take off gambling culture though. Okay, we'll keep that in there. But we're going to take off the individual gamblers. What else do you think we can cross off? I would say, I you know, I'm looking at influenza here. (laughs) 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 And I just don't know if I could blame one guy for being sick. I mean, uh, one of the players for not playing, obviously that would have had a big thing, but... What I love about this is that you were huge on influenza one minute ago. No, I do love I, I, I do love the I, I would kind of pair it with the state of the country almost. Okay, so you would put that into the state of the country. I would kind of put them together. Yeah. All right, so uh, but I want to keep flu. state of the country because I'm really high on state of the country yeah. okay. right now. All right. Go ahead. I, I think we should I think we can cancel Comiskey. Comiskey? I think we can. Why? Because I, I think his practices were on par with the rest of the owners of the time. Oh, oh my gosh. I, I, I don't think even, they were egregious in any way. We didn't way. even talk about this reserve clause, though. Yeah, yeah the reserve clause one. is big. We have to talk about that. So the reserve clause is where a player who refused to accept a contract was prohibited from playing baseball on any other professional team under the auspices of organized baseball. Players could not change teams without permission from their current team. And without a union, the players had no bargaining power. So it's almost like we have to put... The owners owned players in a way that the players quite literally didn't have agency. Right. So the owners... Are, I think are very Comiskey being an owner are very responsible here, and I think that Comiskey for me represents like the rules of Major League Baseball wow. at the time. Wow, I think that we need to keep him up, keep on him board. on, and you know what? Almost you've kind of changed my mind about even my big pitch about Eddie Seacott and all the other players, including Chick Gandel, because if I was in that situation, you're when you're totally powerless, you have no bargaining power, and you literally have to sign the contract that's in front of you. That's all your only option. Yeah. I mean, you're going to look for other ways to make money. It's only natural. Listen, you're a major league ball player. What else can you do? You've spent your whole life playing baseball. Right. And then you have to sign a contract that limits you fully and restricts you from making any more money. And then, you know, anything out of your power 
that, you know, is going to limit you from making more money. It's like, you know, these guys weren't necessarily in the wrong, quote unquote, for trying to make more money. I mean, there is the matter of integrity and the state of, you know, the game, cheating and all that. But at the same time, it's like they were up against a hard wall. I I think think vilifying the the players is is a little black and white. Yeah, I'm. I'm okay with taking out the other players. Um, I do think Gandal needs to stay up on the board for his. All right. Uh, other players are gone. Uh, and 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 Seacott, I have a lot of compassion for him. Uh, I is it because said, it was David David Strathair? It, it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. He's just a great actor. Great yeah. actor. Um, we, we almost just give Seacott the pass. He was portrayed so eloquently. Yeah. <laughs> And wonderfully, yes. compassionately by one actor so that just gets off the hook. What do you think about taking fresh balls off? Uh, I like that it stayed there long enough. You made a I'm great ready. point. Yeah. I was impassionate about it, and I love that era, but I just don't think we can blame it for the World Series. I agree. What do we have up on the board left? What's so far, left? we have Chick Gandal, the gambling culture in baseball, the state of the country in 1919, and Comiskey, the, who's kind who's of representing the, owner. the owners. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Comiskey and owners. And owners, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that kind of encompasses the reserve clause, which I think was terrible at the time. I think that we can take off... What was the second uh, thing Well, you got gambling culture. Gambling culture. culture. Now, while I think that that was a huge part of it, I... I think that... you know, I, I don't know if we can actually blame that gambling culture for... For this particular phenomenon. I mean, it's part of it. Right. right? It feels like more of a symptom <laughs> yes, of, exactly. of, well of the reserve call. Gambling is no longer necessary, but cheating is still a thing that happens. Yes, but yes. now they're cheating only to win. to win. But you're cheating so that you win, so that you get a better deal, so that That's you get a, better get a contract, bonus. and you get a, more um, uh, people who are, you know, products that are going to use you. But the cheating is no longer for gambling wins. It's not a third party cheating. It's not in, in, it's including a win. Some of them later tried to win reinstatement to the league, but Commissioner Landis ensured that none of the disgraced ball players ever set foot in Major League Baseball again. I'm a bad Cheating barrel, not a bad apple guy, but Chick <laughs> is, uh, you know, if he's approaching the gamblers here, it's, it is his idea. I mean, he's okay. a contestant for the big slap. Either him or the Spanish flu. I don't know which one. <laughs> the flu we cut because it's sort of state of country 1919. Let's talk about the state of the country. Can we blame it? The state of the country is occasionally in flux. It's Occasionally, we go through so many transitions. Like To be honest, coming into this uh, podcast, I was leaning towards the state of the, you know, I was leaning towards post-war. Yeah. Like, just the, the, the culture that they were in and what would lead anybody to make that decision. But at the same time, you still have a choice. You still you have a decision to make. And okay. I think that's a really good point. I think we need to take the state of the country out. Ouch, goodbye. Okay, so Chick Gandal, Gambling Culture and Baseball, or Comiskey and the Owners. Also, we have a slap. Yowza. I think I, ha- I know who I like. You're settled. Yeah. What do you like? The Owners. You like the Owners. Yeah, you I were about to take them all. Comiskey, I know. I know. I totally changed that reserve the clause. Slop. The reserve clause Something totally, right totally now. shifted my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. The reserve, like these guys, they tried to control, they tried to control their precious little baby too much. And they just put, they, they just, their greedy little hands, they well, put them all well, over it. Well, there was they tried a lack. to squeeze that little bird and they crushed it and killed it. You know, again, you're vilifying here. I think you have a, a pattern of really getting on the side of, uh, I think, I you know, there just wasn't 
precedent. Um, and maybe this was one of the precedent, you know, one of the things that would force the players to, I mean, you know, was the players union of, around? Was that even? No, the, the, uh, they didn't, didn't have a union. That didn't start until much exactly. later. So um, maybe, you know, I, I agree. I think the owners really kind of are at fault because um, you, yeah. how can you blame the players or Chick Randall for Gandalf for wanting to, you know, make a little cash here? But it's it's a slippery slope. Well, because... well. Also telling was what happened after the scandal, which was that these owners all rallied together and they said we need one figurehead because previously yes, a couple of them yes. had been like basically we run the league, but then they were like we need like a figurehead because people are going to come to us and be like why is your organization so corrupt? Right. And so they hired this guy right after this Black Sox scandal, uh, Kennesaw mm-hmm. Mountain, uh, Kennesaw something. Uh huh. And, Would he um, become the first commissioner? He became of baseball? the first commissioner of baseball. So go. now they have their sort of like fall their tail guy, between basically. their legs. Exactly. So it, to me, that's such a guilty move. I I feel comfortable. I I think we can take the gambling culture out, and I feel good putting Kaminsky, the owners, and the reserve clause as one. Right. Yeah. But we're just calling it the owners. Right. right? And and giving Gandal the big slap. Wow. I think that's fair. I'm I, into it. I think that's fair. I think it's, um, you know, I think you really can give Gandal a big slap on the hand here because... Yeah. It's on the face, actually. It's on the face. Yeah, what do you Mike, think about that? I, I mean, right I, you know, a guy like him, you need to slap him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Gandal, you're getting the big slap. And owners, MLB owners... Shame on you. You're going to the alarmist jail. Well, the the world's a better place. We don't have Major League Baseball anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for helping us get to the bottom of this uh, sports tragedy. Complex. Very complex. complex. Uh, event in the history yeah. of our sport here. Yeah. Yeah, we could spend hours on this. Hours. Topic. We did. <laughs> Four and a half hours have gone by. <laughs> After the 1919 Black Sox scandal, the fix effectively destroyed the careers of the eight Black Sox. Some of them later tried to win reinstatement to the league, but Commissioner Landis ensured that none of the disgraced ball players ever set foot in big league diamond again. Vote for who you think is to blame by going to thealarmistpodcast.com. Follow us at the alarmist the on twitter at the alarmist podcast on instagram or email us at the alarmist podcast at gmail.com tune in next week as we'll be discussing who's to blame for the mad cow epidemic and check out this week's aftermath episode out thursday for a discussion about the black sox scandal with mlb historian charles fountain Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.